Hi, I'm Chev Pring, and you're listening to Learning Lessons, How to Make Education Work for the Future. In this podcast, I discuss the philosophy and changes that represent a paradigm shift in how we look at education. I will be talking to guests, education and alternative provision providers and professionals along the way to outlining a future education system that's fit for purpose in the 21st century and beyond. Welcome to the show. So, first podcast. Um, I thought I would start by just providing a little bit of background to who I am. Um, partly because I think it's interesting to know about the people who are imparting information to you. Um, but also because I think in future episodes, there's going to be some of the stuff that I talk about that you're probably going to be going, yeah, okay, but who is this guy anyway? So this is the episode that you can refer back to when you ask yourself that question uh, and get an idea of what I'm all about. So I'll start with a bit of a journey, um, the projects I've worked on, the perspective that I've got from working with SEND and NEAT learners in education over the last 15 years. Um, They say about the curriculum that it is a mile wide and an inch deep. Um, It's probably true of my experience as well, to be honest, but um, I actually think in this respect it gives quite a broad background to the insights that I have on education. So from a young age, um, I have had quite a lot of experience uh, in the breadth of education um, from my own experience of education. Um, I was home educated, then I went to a, a Steiner school, uh, then to a local primary and secondary uh, sixth form college and university. So a little bit of everything really. Um, I think it's been quite interesting to see and experience so many different styles of education growing up. I think that's given me quite a broad grounding in what education can be. Um, And then I went to uni and studied archaeology and didn't think anything about education at all um, until I came out of university and realised that working in archaeology was impossible. Um, And so I took the first job I could find out of university, um, which was a teaching assistant in a local secondary um, I'd never really given much thought to going into education, to be honest, but um, I absolutely loved it. Um, I think the work that teaching assistants do is phenomenal. Um, the relationship you build with learners, the impact that you have on their lives when they're, you, they're struggling. Um, I think it's just so, so powerful, that work. And if it paid better... I would probably still be doing it right now. Um, I moved on from being a teaching assistant to a cover supervisor, um, which was a bit of a baptism of fire, to be honest, Uh, thrown into lessons, teaching without a teaching qualification, uh, working off planning that I didn't necessarily understand or had no input into. um, But you get pretty good pretty fast at 
understanding children's behaviour and how to manage classroom settings. That led on to being a deputy behaviour centre manager in the secondary school where I was a cover supervisor. Um, So I was taking learners that were sent out of class for the sessions or those that were internally excluded. Again, loved it. Really powerful, small group impact that you can have with learners that are otherwise disengaged. Uh, I had a real passion for it and um, I managed to build relationships with hard to reach learners, which is massively rewarding. Um, I moved on from that to uh, helping support uh, the running of the outdoor learning programme, which uh, was run through the secondary where I was working, but it was part of the local learning partnership. So we had learners from all different schools uh, come and join us. That, again, was just part of my passion for the outdoors was rekindled. And um, I had a brilliant mentor um, who ran that programme, a guy called Steve Foster, who really taught me a vast amount about teaching and outdoor learning and about how those experiences can be so powerful to the way that we understand ourselves. I ran the Eco Schools project for the school and then moved into teaching in FE. So I went to work at Exeter College uh, and through several promotions in short order, ended up managing the NEAT provision for the whole of Exeter College. Um, So this was across two sites. I had a team of about seven people. Um, And this was my first experience of middle management position. Um, I loved working with the learners. I loved uh, running and setting up the programs. I loved running a team and um, I think I gained a huge amount of experience from that about how to manage people. I moved on to running the Grecian Centre Learning Hub which was an after-school project for learners who were struggling to access education um, and then I had a moment where I was starting to struggle with the bureaucracy of the college and I remember reading a line in the Stephen Covey book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People where he said many of us climb a ladder in our career only to realise that it is leant against the wrong wall and I remember reading that and just thinking do I want to progress any further in a mainstream setting is that really serving what I think education is about? And I decided that it wasn't. So I left the college and I set up my own company, um, which runs an independent special school for 70 learners. It's rated good at Ofsted. Uh, we run an outdoor-based alternative provision, um, which was founded a few years ago, which has a phenomenal success rate at re-engaging learners into mainstream and meeting their um, social and emotional needs. Uh, We run a number of other programmes and provisions including forest school sessions and forest school leader training. Um, I've developed the uh, CPD courses for the company that are accredited by the Institute of Outdoor Learning. 
and I've helped to develop new training programs um, for the company as well. I'm a safeguarding instructor and I've helped to develop a range of safeguarding related CPD programs. I also helped to found a kindergarten which ran for a number of years and achieved good with elements of outstanding at Ofsted. Sadly this closed due to Covid because this was the only fully outdoor preschool provision that was available um, in the city at the time and it really took that idea of forest school and the Scandinavian version of that kind of pedagogy to a new level in, in the region and was really a flagship project in many ways. It was really sad to see it close. Other experience that I've had includes being a trustee for the local um, Tiverton Community Learning Partnership. I sit on the management committee for a local adventure playground. I'm a vice chair of governors for a local federation. Both schools have just recently achieved good with outstanding features at Ofsted. I was chair of the preschool committee for a local preschool for uh, a number of years and they have consistently achieved outstanding at Ofsted. I've held a non-exec director role for a local alternative provision. I've been a consultant and a coach for local provisions and I've delivered CPD to independent and mainstream settings and developed and delivered leadership courses for educational leaders. I have a master's in leadership and innovation and I have been the vice chair of the Learning Outside the Classroom Southwest Steering Group. So I'll give you that kind of rundown of my career um, because I think it helps to understand the breadth of experience I'm bringing to the concepts that I'm going to be talking about. Um, I don't say it because it's some kind of badge-wearing exercise. It's so you hopefully see that there's a wealth of valid experience behind what I'm talking about throughout the podcast. Um, and I think it's important because there are some ideas that depart quite radically from the current educational paradigm, and I don't want them to be dismissed out of hand. Uh, I'd, I'd like you to inspect them, question them. If you don't agree with them, fine. But I don't want you to ignore them just because you think I don't have the experience to know what I'm talking about. So that's really why I'm giving you that kind of chunk of information about who I am. So why do we need to look at education in a different way? Um, well, for me personally, because education was rubbish for me. Um, I didn't enjoy school. I didn't get on in school. The system didn't work for me. The authority didn't work for me. Um, I don't think I'm alone in that experience. I mean, I did well academically, um, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, but I think more broadly, um, we've built a system that relies on evidence from academics that have a bias because they've already been successful in the system. So the educational research that we build our educational system on is geared towards people who have a confirmation bias because education worked for them. And also, I think it's really important to be talking about these things because we don't ask ourselves the reasons why we do what we do. We are, as educators, always 
tinkering at the edges, we're shaping pedagogy, we're changing behavioural practice, we're tweaking the curriculum, but we're not asking ourselves, why do we educate? What is the actual fundamental purpose behind what we're doing? What are the first principles that we're working from? Um, I think it's important now because I just fundamentally believe it's wrong that there's an accepted failure rate in the system. An education system that accepts that any learner that leaves that system can have failed is an education system that is wrong. I think at its heart, that's, that's not really how we should be designing a system and we can do better. Um, I think the system has so many pressures in it. There are teachers leaving the profession in huge numbers and I think there is a better way. Um, you know, education being broken, failing learners and teachers, um, the pressure is enormous. The curriculum is full. Pastoral support is severely lacking uh, across the board. It's become behaviour management and nothing more. The national curriculum is bloated. Uh, it, there's no space to do anything creative other than meeting what's already contained within it. It's not fit for purpose. And we've now got a situation where large multi-academy trusts and other large organisations within education are homogenising the delivery and reducing choice for learners and parents. The amount of choice that people have for the education of their children or for themselves is a really important part of keeping education dynamic and vibrant and allowing the whole creative process of education to evolve and I see industry-wide that that's getting shut down at the moment and I really don't think that that is a useful trend and I think we need to really seriously look at how we start to change that because we are not in a system where one size fits all. We know that there are large numbers of teachers who are struggling and there are large numbers of learners who are failing and we need to change that perspective and we need to do something different that, that works in a much more holistic way for everyone. Um, now I think it's really important to say at this point um, there are some fantastic projects there are some amazing schools out there and there are some truly awe-inspiring and inspirational teachers. Please do not think that this is some kind of teacher bashing exercise. That's not what I'm doing at all. There is some phenomenal good practice out there and I see some truly, truly inspirational stuff going on, which is fantastic. The issue I have is that all of this good work is being done in spite of the system, not because of it. I don't think schools provide learners with enough breadth of experience or with enough transferable skill set to cope with uh, the ever-changing dynamic professional sphere. We have no idea what jobs will exist when our primary age learners leave uh, college. The number of jobs and the variety of jobs that exist are changing so quickly all the time we have no idea what the work, world of work is going to look like and I don't think we're preparing learners with 
the education system as it is to cope with that environment and to thrive in that kind of world of work that is that kind of dynamic and, and changeable. Um, I think we have a, a system at the moment where between EYFS and university, we largely suffer through rote learning, sitting in rows, being taught the same thing with little or no power over the direction of our learning. And I don't understand why we let people who are up to the age of five make creative and experiential decisions about their learning and then stop them from doing that right up until they reach university age. Surely that is something that should be part of education the whole way through. We want people to be owning their own learning and their own learning journey and and taking responsibility for and shaping the way that they actually progress and develop through the opportunities that they have in education. And I don't really see that happening on a national scale and supported by the system of education in the country. I think we're tied to exams that do nothing to support the learning that is valuable for the learners themselves. Things like SATs, they're there to support the schools, they're there to help rank um, institutions in league tables, they're there for the purposes of Ofsted and standardising practice. I really don't think that they help the individuals um, to actually get any kind of worth from that education. It's geared towards the system and meeting the system's needs. It's not geared towards meeting the learner needs. And I just think that, again, is fundamentally wrong. We're looking at that whole process the wrong way around. Um, Now, I know there are some pretty inflammatory claims In this episode, Um, I've kind of given the education system a bit of a bashing and I'm aware that there's very little substantive content or academic research that backs up the position that I've offered and put forward. I'm going to change that in the episodes to come and we're going to look at the different themes and ideas and the research and critical arguments that support the claims that I'm making and also to start to look at the alternatives available. I think it's all very well saying how rubbish something is but if you're not going to help solve the problem then I think you're also part of the problem yourself. That's one of the reasons why I left education in the first place. in in a mainstream setting and set up my own company and went into the independent education sector, there just wasn't the freedom to develop something different within the system. And I knew there was a better way and I've thought an awful lot about it. There are some really interesting bits of research out there there are some really fantastic projects and I will be going out and looking at and speaking to people who are running education in a very different way and I think partly that's really important because it's about that provision of choice so it's broadening what is available for learners which helps meet their needs but I think it's also important that when you are in your classroom, 
most of the time and when you're not in your classroom you're planning against the curriculum you're under massive pressure as a teacher it's very hard not to have tunnel vision and it's very hard to see beyond the constructs of the system and I think and I hope that this podcast will help allow people to sit back and start to think about things in a different way and provide a little bit of space and a bit of insight for people to really scrutinise what's at the heart of the education system, the the education philosophy and the education practice that we use in this country. And I'd really love for this to be part of a, a broader discussion that people bring to their practice so that we're actually being informed on that first principle level about what we're doing and why we're doing it. If you go through that process and you thought deeply about it and you're happy with the philosophy and the way the system works, then great. I don't have a problem with anyone thinking anything about education as long as it's been properly considered. I think that's the key. I think going through the motions or doing it because of pressure from senior leadership or doing it because it's the only thing you know how to do because the um, teacher training is very confining in what it offers as a pedagogy. These aren't good reasons for doing what we do in our daily practice. I think we need to be really conscious of making decisions from that very deep grounding in why we are choosing to educate and why we're choosing to educate in the way that we are. Hopefully, um, you've got a bit of an idea about where I'm coming from. Um, Hopefully in the episodes to come, you'll see that there is a viable alternative that could radically reshape education. I think we can do that without radically altering the pedagogy of teachers. We can do better in education. I really, truly believe we can. And I really, truly believe we should. Um, And I think, as Maya Angelou said, you do the best you can until you know better, then do better. I think we're at a point where we can do better and so we absolutely should. Thanks for listening to the show. If you liked the episode, please remember to like and subscribe on your listening platform of choice and check out other episodes in the back catalogue. There's a blog on my website, shevekpreng.com, that has notes, links to research and reading mentioned in the podcast, and a whole range of other content. If you want to continue the conversation, or you have a question about what was in the podcast, find me on LinkedIn or X, formerly Twitter, at Shevpreng, to join the conversation.